0: Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist TJ Malkanji. Today is going to be a day of mass deliverance. How many times, especially in the last year, and then even concentrated in the last month since 2021 have I heard from people who have never struggled with anxiety, never struggled with panic attacks, never in their life have they ever imagined to have an episode publicly, all of a sudden are having thoughts of panic, having to leave a room because they have to go and wash their face with water because they're literally having heart palpitations and the room is closing in on them. And so I've gotten messages from people. I've talked to people privately and personally. And so I've decided to make a, a, a broadcast specifically dedicated to, um, answering the common questions that I receive. How to break free from anxiety? How do I, how did you do it? And some of you have, may have never heard my testimony. I'm going to tell it today. But before I do, I want you to take a second and please share this broadcast. Please, if you have people that are struggling with anxiety, that have panic attacks, that, that, um, have suicidal thoughts or mental strongholds that have confined them, that have kept them bound and uh, they're not they're not living in freedom they they're still in bondage mentally to tormenting spirits and uh, negative thoughts I want you to share this as much as you can, because today, this broadcast is going to serve as a weapon of mass destruction against the enemy. Today is going to be a day of mass deliverance. The Today, you, you know, God doesn't push off till tomorrow or next week what he's re- ready and willing not to do today, what he's been ready and willing to do since the moment you got saved. The blood of Jesus breaks the strongholds that hold people down, especially in the of for too long the church has taught that we are saved spiritually and that we'll make it to heaven but there are things that come with salvation we're not just interested in getting to heaven although that's our primary objective there are other things God wants to do for you he doesn't want you to live in mental agony on your way to heaven on your journey on this earth towards heaven God wants to set you free the Bible says it was for freedom that Christ has set you free therefore do Do not be subject again to a yoke of bondage. That means Christ did everything in his power. The blood that he shed was enough, more than enough, to set you free from long-standing issues, plagues of long continuance, things that have maybe passed down transgenerationally from your grandfather and your father and your own, and it may have plagued your whole entire family. The blood of Christ has set you free from those bondage. And then the Bible says, Therefore, don't subject yourself again to a yoke of bondage. and people through ignorance subject themselves to unnecessary bondage when christ has already made a decision for them to walk and step into liberty so please share this broadcast i'm going to start off today by just telling my testimony what happened to me why do i even have a, a a a why do i feel an obligation to address this issue a and why do i have uh, a sense of authority when I speak on things pertaining to mental strongholds because some of you are new viewers and, and type one, if you're a first time viewer, or if you just, you just signed up in the last month or so, um, some of you have never heard my testimony. Some of you don't know why I shout. Some of you don't know why I look like a nutcase, a raging lunatic when I do these broadcasts. Listen, I've made a decision years ago in 2012 when I gave my life to Christ. When man couldn't help me, when the help of man was useless, when the help of man was futile, when pills couldn't solve my problem, when doctors couldn't solve my problem, when man, when people around me, when friends couldn't do it for me, when relatives couldn't do it for me, but God did it for me I lost the sense of dignity that I had that I wanted to maintain towards man I don't care if I look undignified before man because what was declared impossible in my life God not only made possible God did it for me and the same God that did it for me I believe is ready on standby today with the sword in hand to break the same chains off your life so that you can step in The Bible says... He whom the sun sets free is free and totally free indeed. I grew up in the church. I lived in church. I, I lived, I, I, I knew the Bible. I, I understood the salvation plan of God from a young age. But at the age of 13, 14, because I didn't see miracles in church, I didn't see anything demonstrated. I ended up leaving my church. I ended up just doing the world. In that time, the moment I got out of the covering of God, I started to develop something by the name of obsessive compulsive disorder OCD now some of you might have heard of that before and you think it's just well he washed his hands a little more than others that's not what OCD is obsessive compulsive disorder are like trigger thoughts that pop into your mind that suggest to you because remember the devil works through the power of suggestion he he sows thoughts into people's minds through suggestion and the bible says that um when you are carnally minded when you don't do the work of renewing your mind by the word of God those thoughts end up being planted and then they develop into strongholds which produce imaginations that are contrary to what scripture wants you uh, wants you to have but those imaginations are very real and so i used to think if i didn't do this one thing if i didn't hit this five times if i didn't uh, open that light 24 times and specifically certain numbers would pop up to, into my mind then either something would happen to me something would happen to my family i wouldn't be a success in life i would fail miserably i'd get sick whatever it was i wouldn't uh I, I you know whatever my passion was when i was 14 i wanted to make the nhl if i didn't do this if i didn't do 50 push-ups followed by three burpees or whatever i would not make the nhl so those thoughts bombarded my mind and over the years I was in bondage to those thoughts. I was a slave, a slave to those thoughts, a slave and in obedience. What is a slave? A slave is submitted to its master. Wherever the master desires to take that slave, that slave has to go. I became a slave to to those thoughts, a slave to OCD, a slave to this demonic, tormenting devil in my life. And for years... For years because I didn't grow up hearing about the miracles of the Bible I didn't grow up hearing about Jesus wanting to set people free I just knew he wanted to save me from sin and that was it for years I struggled with this for years it would take me what would normally take 30 minutes for a male to get ready for school it would take me like an hour and a half I'd I'd come in late for class I'd miss school buses because I was so caught up you know taking a, a shower and what would normally take five minutes it would take me like a half hour an hour because of all the weird things that i have to do and i'm not going to get into the details of ocd because this is not a broadcast dedicated to the devil and what he's done this is going to be a broadcast dedicated to god and what he's done and what he'll do for you i want to tell you that in 2012 after years of suffering that way and trying to suppress those feelings through pot smoking pot marijuana alcohol drugs other drugs experimenting with different drugs and then woman and clubbing and everything partying trying to suppress because when i was drunk i didn't really get many of those thoughts when i was high off my mind my mind couldn't even receive the transmissions of this devil so it, it would kind of like leave me alone and for years i had to use those tactics in order to receive temporary relief i was trying to put a bandage on a hemorrhage but a hemorrhage doesn't need a bandage it need, you need to get to the root cause of that thing in order to stop the flow of blood like that woman with the issue of blood she had spent her hands at the hand her, her, her um her finances at the hands of many physicians but she did not grow better she only grew worse they went from worse to worse she tried to use human remedy she tried to use natural um natural relief methods but it didn't work but then she heard about jesus comes 2012 I'm having panic attacks. I get fired from my job a few months prior to this. I'm really messed up now. I'm down to like 105 pounds or 110 pounds soaking wet because I can't hold food. If anybody's ever struggled with panic attacks, which I imagine some of you have... You know it's very hard to eat. It's very hard. You lose your appetite. You end up eating and then you have indigestion and sometimes you're throwing up. Things, you know, food you used to enjoy you don't even want to look at because there's something going on in your stomach. There's a physiological response to the anxiety that your mind and your spirit is experiencing. So what happened? I I lose all that weight. I'm now confined to my bed and I have no desire to leave my bedroom because I have, they call it agoraphobia. The Like, you don't want to be in large spaces because it would just trigger. Because I remember going to restaurants. I remember going to, to Costco or whatever. Just being in a large group of people and seeing something, I would trigger something. And then the, the you know, the, the panic just over like an avalanche an avalanche just overwhelmingly take over and all of a sudden i was paralyzed in public and nobody wants to have that publicly and you had a panic attack at home that's why i stayed in bed at least you can do something about it manage it at least perhaps you can like you know um go take a hot shower or something just like take a you know a moment to breathe and stuff when you're out in public you're like caught you're on you're on You have an audience of 500 people at Costco now and you're sweating from your brow and you're messed up and if anyone had eyes x-rays to see what was going on in your mind they'd stay clear of you because they would think you're you know you're a special case of insanity and that's exactly what I was. And so I wouldn't leave my house, and I would. I remember eating banana, just banana. Banana is pretty much digested food; it doesn't even require more digestion. It's just a mush. You just have to swallow, and the stomach really has a day off when you eat banana. Even banana, if I put it in my mouth, I'd vomit it out. That the dietitians they tell you if you eat toast, banana, and some some other fo- uh, foods, they're like the easiest for your stomach to digest. Well, it wasn't doing anything for me. It didn't do a squat. For me, I was throwing up everything because the moment I'd eat, I don't know what happened, but it would trigger anxiety in me, and then I just like everywhere. So I stopped eating for a little bit, just water, you know, just enough to like get get through the day. Sometimes I'd be able to hold hold food down, but it was no way to live. And I remember being in my bedroom and thinking, man, if this is the rest of life, I might as well just you know off myself because this this is no way for anybody to live. I remember thinking to myself. I would rather have like a terminal disease than have to live with this, because at least you know you die, close your eyes, and you're in you're in heaven if you're right with God. This this is like a daily torment. It's a buffeting spirit that doesn't seem to break off. And if this is what 80 years, I don't want to live to 80. I don't want to live to 90. I don't. I wouldn't want to live past uh, a couple of days feeling the way I felt. And I remember thinking those thoughts and all of a sudden a panic attack came on me, strong and fierce. The strongest of them that I had ever felt. And my heart was beating through my chest. And I started to sweat. I was in my bedroom. And uh, I just thought, you know, I feel like I'm dying. I thought, this is it. This is the end of the road. I must have like, tick God off or something by speaking those words and so I remember growing up in church and hearing that if you're not saved if Jesus hasn't forgiven of your forgiven your sins and entered into your heart then if you died you'd go straight to hell and I said at least if I die right now I'd rather spend eternity in heaven than hell and um, so I logically concluded that I, I remember just like rolling off my bed I had no strength And I fell to the ground but besides my bed. And I, with tears in my eyes, began to cry out. And I said three words. I said, Jesus, save me. Three words. Jesus, save me. That's all I knew to pray. You know... There are times where you can pray these nice, beautiful, eloquent, wonderful prayers, and you think God will hear you. It's not about your eloquence. It's not about how Shakespearean you can get in your English. It's about a cry of desperation, birth from faith, that what you're crying for, God's not deaf, that he can't hear. God is not blind, that he can't see. God's arm is not shortened, that he can't save. When you cry that way, like Hannah, she poured out her soul before the Lord in desperation, Such a cry of faith that her mouth was moving but there was no sound coming from it. That's how I felt. And what did God do for Hannah? God said... Uh, by this time next year, you'll have a child. Well, when I prayed that, I knew I had contacted. It's like when you you can try and flick on a a, a light. The lights in this room, 150 different ways. If you don't plug it into the wall, it's not going to produce light for you. I knew that I had finally plugged in. I knew that I had connected with God for the very first. I had grown up hearing about God. I grew up learning about God. I grew up being taught the principles of Christ. I grew up hearing that. golden rule do unto others what you would like others to do unto you i memorized the beatitudes for goodness sake but all that head knowledge didn't do anything it was at the moment that i had an encounter with god almighty that i felt a blanket come on me at that very moment and i knew i knew that i was saved But you want to know something interesting? I didn't get delivered from OCD right then and there. I didn't break free from the mental strongholds right then and there. I had a regenerate heart. I had a heart for God now. I I wanted to love people. I wanted to give my life to the ministry. There was something in me that wanted to serve God. I even remember going to talk to my pastor and saying, Pastor, even if I am the custodian of the church, even if I have to be the janitor, I don't care what it is. I just want to serve God with my life I don't want to I wanted to do real estate before I was in college for uh, commerce which is accounting and stuff like that I didn't want to do any of that anymore my heart was for God my heart was to see the things of God my heart was to help people and and, and that's where it was at so I remember being saved for a little while but still having OCD and strongholds of the mind because I hadn't learned about this part of the gospel and that's what I'm going to tell you about today. So there's, there's a lot of, and it ticks me off to see people that are blood-bought, blood-washed, redeemed and sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise who are still tolerating the devil's crap in their mind. They're still trying to produce coping mechanisms when the anointing doesn't give you the ability to cope with the devil the anointing the gospel wasn't God coming to give you crutches so you can drag your sorry behind across the pearly gates the anointing was given the son of God was made manifest to destroy the work of the devil and I'm here to tell you today my brother and sister that's watching me right now you've dwelt along this mountain long enough the son of God God is being made manifest in your mind today to destroy the work of the strongholds that hell has set up. Whether they be strongholds from your past. Whether they be uh, misconceptions and ill perspectives of reality that has developed into your mind. To paint ill imaginations of your future. And as such you've been bound. You're bound by your past. You're bound by past horrors. Past failures. Past uh, bad relationships or past experiences that have kept you in paralyzing fear to move on to the future. I tell you today, that work of hell that has been set up to drain you of strength and empty you of of energy is being broken off of your life in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. The devil is going to rue the day that he touched your mind because not only is God going to set you free, you're going to have to pinch yourself as God brings you out of captivity back into Zion. Zion represents the freedom of the people of God. Your mouth will be filled with laughter. Your tongue will be filled with joyful singing. And God's going to use you as he changes you. He's going to use you as an agent of change wherever you go. Everywhere you go, you will be a wrecking ball for the kingdom of hell. No, for the kingdom of heaven, destroying the pillars that hell has set up in others in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe that for yourself, I want you to take 10 seconds and just lift up your hands wherever you are and say lord do what thou wilt be done in me today in jesus name i want to read this to you isaiah 53 so i told you i'm saved at this point now i have to deal with this anxiety i'm thinking i just have to cope with it. i remember even going to a christian counselor which i have no problem with christian counselors but ultimately you cannot counsel or medicate a demon you cannot counsel a demon you you can't Plead with a demon. Hey, look, let's negotiate. And if you can just get out of this one, you can take that one. No, there you have to have an encounter with light. The Bible says the entrance of God's word brings light. And the light, which represents God's power, connotes the energia of God, the power of God, the dunamis of God. The light is the answer to the darkness in your mind. So I remember I'm saved and I'm sitting in my living room Lying down, still having panic attacks daily, still trying to cope with it all. And I have my iPad in front of me. And I'm listening to an online service. This is why I do online service because my deliverance, my breakthrough was the product of an online service. It was the product of an encounter I had with the word of God via a minister who was preaching on a Facebook live. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't meet with the saints and gather with the saints and go to church. You should go to church. If you hate the church, you hate Christ because the church is the body of Christ. You should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, which is the habit of some, but you are to exhort one another daily and do so all the more as you see the day of the Lord closely approaching. So we are to meet. The Bible says there's a corporate anointing that is formed when the, the, the assembly, the ecclesia gathers together. However i was in my living room so if you're saying man i'm gonna wait till sunday so i can have pastor lay hands on me or i'm gonna wait till i'm gonna drive down to montreal and see tj because i'm gonna have him lay hands on me you don't have to do that i'm not saying those things work those are ordinances in the church when you don't have faith to receive direct from the word then uh point of contact through the laying on of hands those will work but i want you to set your faith today to receive from the word because the word of god the bible says he sent forth his word and his word healed them and delivered them from all their trouble you don't need anything more than an encounter and contact connecting with the electricity of god's word that has the power to zap out every foreign resistance in your body and in your mind and in your life so I was on my couch listening to this evangelist. And this is what he preached. Isaiah 53 in verse 4. This is what he preached. Surely he has borne our griefs. And I have a little number one next to griefs. And I go into my little, um, you know, little section on the side of my Bible that says sicknesses. So he's not talking about grief like you know, you lost a loved one and you have grief. No. That's a poor translation. The actual translation is he has borne our sicknesses. He carried our sorrows. I have a number two there and I go to my, the uh, section next to it and it says pains. So that's not talking about sorrow of heart. That's talking about physical pain and emotional pain. Not just uh, emotional pain, both. The Bible says he has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And by his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It was my sins that pinned him to that tree. It wasn't Jesus's sins. Jesus didn't come to die so that he can break the power of the devil over his life and over God the Father. God, was he's already the most high God. Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil for you and for me. It was our sins that pinned him to that tree. It was our sins and his love that kept him on that tree. Because Jesus said, at any time I can call more than... Um, twelve legions of angels, and they will come and you know they'll just annihilate this world if one angel in the Old Testament could take out a hundred and eighty five thousand Assyrian soldiers, what could twelve legions of angels do? But love kept him on that tree. Love for what? Love for you and love for me. Love that said, I don't want you to struggle in life. Love that said, I don't want you to carry the load and burden of sin another day in your life. Love that said, you don't have to stay confined to that prison cell that the enemy has kept you bound to. I'm going to open up those prison cells. And as you start to read that you're your freedom has been bought, you don't have to just, that's what too many Christians do, they read the Bible, and they sit down in their prison cell, all the while the doors are swung wide open, they read their, the Bible, they read about their freedom, while they sit comfortably in their prison cell, instead of reading about it, and then by faith saying, hey, That's talking about me and getting up and walking free. Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me for he has anointed me to preach deliverance to the captives, to set free them that are oppressed, to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, the the, a lot of times mental strongholds they develop because of a broken heart because someone in your past messed you up because you had a bad encounter bad experience the bible says one of the works of the anointing is to mend the broken hearted and to do what to declare to the prisoners that the day of prison doors being shut ended yesterday that those prison doors have now come open to give to those who mourn in zion comfort and the bible says to give those who have a spirit of heaviness instead of that heaviness the oil of gladness the bible says in isaiah 35 say to those that are fearful hearted say to those that are broken and bruised and battered and contorted and distorted and weighed down by the crushing flow of the devil say to them I will come with vengeance and or with, re- with reward. And your sign and your sorrow, that's referring to Christ, coming. My, your sign and your sorrow shall flee away and everlasting joy shall be yours. That everlasting joy, that oil of joy and gladness is pouring over your life today in the name of Jesus. Weeping endured for the night, but joy is beginning to enter into your heart and producing a joy inexpressible and full of glory in jesus name in jesus name so i read that in isaiah 53 but i still had enough religion built up into me that you know i was like having a conversation with this preacher as i was watching him online i said well that's the old testament so then it's like he almost heard my thoughts because he switches over into matthew chapter 8 matthew chapter 8 and listen to what the bible says in verse 16 matthew 8 and 16, the Bible says when evening had come, they brought to Jesus all that were what? That were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed everyone that was sick. Why? Why? Verse 17, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He literally, Jesus comes as the fulfillment of Isaiah 53, does exactly what Isaiah 53 said he would do. And then Matthew, by the Spirit, connects the two and says this was why he did that. The reason he did that is A, because he loves humankind. God loves mankind. God loves people. And he heals people, not because he's trying to prove something. He heals people because he loves people. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no shifting shadow or variant of change. However, he also did this so that he can prove, I am the fulfillment of the one, the suffering servant that would come and break people free from mental torment and physical sickness. So then I said to myself right in that moment, I said, well, that's Jesus that's Jesus. You know, he was a special guy. He was the Son of God. There's no way that continued. Anyways, he turned me. It's like he heard me. He turned me to First Peter two and verse twenty four. Listen to this. Actually, verse twenty two. Let's start there. Who committed no sin, referring to Jesus, nor was deceit found in his mouth. If you're just tuning in right now, you'd do a great help to me if you would share this broadcast. Uh, I, I already know by my spirit people are being set free right now so let's let's multiply that work today by sharing the broadcast so we can see a blow given there's a head crushing blow given to the devils trying to keep people bound today people can enter into their portion in christ who then he who when he was reviled did not revile in return When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Verse 24, listen to this. This is New Testament. This is after Christ. This is like several decades after Jesus Christ. Peter, the one who stood stood out of the boat and walked on water. The one who was close with Jesus. The one who was part of the inner three that went onto the mountain and saw the excellent glory and heard God's voice saying, this is my beloved son. This is what Peter... So I don't care what some backslidden preacher talked about saying, you know, how many of you know... Yeah, we get saved, but ultimately our ultimate freedom is going to be in the next life. I want you to know that there's better things to gain than mental peace and worse things to lose. I want you to know that Jesus came to save sinners and to save you from an eternal hell. But that doesn't mean we won't live in a fallen world and be subject to its fallen nature. That's not what Peter said. Peter said, who is himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his own body on that tree. That we having died to sins might live for righteousness. Now get this, verse 24, 1 Peter 2:24. Now, I'm assuming that you have a first grade English education to understand verb verbiage and past and present and future. Isaiah 53 was who, by whose stripes you are healed, referring to the future. Matthew 8:16 and 17. The Bible says, who took our infirmities, that it might be fulfilled. That's referring to the present. And now here, 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on that tree, by, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. The moment I saw that, it's like every religious pillar was shaking at Isaiah 53. Then Matthew 8 came around, and the pillars, one, one came down. When I saw 1 Peter 2.24, the whole building of religious doctrine that had built up into my mind just fell flat. And I saw a, a vision of Jesus being tied to a wooden pole. And he was being whipped on his back. And there was blood gushing down his face and he looked to me and I couldn't see, I couldn't make up his face. So don't come and message me saying how, what did Jesus look like? I don't know. I just saw a bloodied figure and he looked to me and he said to me, I did this so you can be made whole. The moment he said that, it was like electricity. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, the lightnings of God light up the earth and the earth trembles. God's power is like lightning. It shot through me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I was like vibrating on that couch. And I got up. And like that woman with the issue of blood, when she touched the hem of his garment, she felt in her body something had changed. I felt in my body, in my mind, something had changed. Reminds me of a lady that came to me in Chateau, Quebec when I was preaching. We were supposed to preach three days and ended up going 15 nights or 14 nights of meetings. This lady comes up she confesses to preach uh having practiced the occult and witchcraft and uh she heard the message of the cross wanting to get saved so she comes and gets saved and her friend says pray that she's delivered from satanic bondage i just put my hand on her head in the name of g the moment i did that she fell on her face and just laid there, and I said, well, the Lord's doing something to her, I I moved on and prayed for others, she gets up about 20 minutes later, and her friend motions to me saying, you got to hear this story, she comes and testifies that night, and said, when I came in here, I felt that I had like four people on me, when I fell out, she had never been to church before, she didn't know what it was, It sounded like she knew how to do the Pentecostal shake, shake and, you know, fall back, she had never seen that before. She didn't know what hit her. I'll tell you, the Holy Ghost. People that say, Why? do they really have to fall? I tell you, in the first temple when it was dedicated, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple, the people couldn't even enter into the temple. They could not stand to minister. That was the glory of the Lord, entering into a human tem- a, 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 a built temple. We in the New Testament are the temple of the Holy Spirit. When God enters into that temple, it's hard. If they couldn't enter in because of the glory, they couldn't stand to minister. How much more difficult do you suppose it will be when the power of the Holy Ghost literally comes in you and you have no ability to stand? When they came to arrest Jesus, they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Who is he? And he stands up and says, I am he. The moment he said, I am, they immediately drew back and fell back on their face. Just from him saying, I am. So when you come in contact, look look what happened to Paul. When he was on the road to Damascus, he fell flat and those that were with him. And they could barely look at the sight of it. When you come in contact with the Holy Spirit and his power, it's difficult to act dignified. It's difficult to act timid and shy. It's difficult to stand up. So she gets up and she says, when I was down, I saw in a vision four angelic beings coming. And there were four, there was like a, not four, there was like a demon that was at the center of me. And that those four angels, each of them took one limb. One took a hand, the other took the other hand, one took the leg, and the other took the other leg. And they began to fly away. And when I got up, I felt that the thing that was that I was carrying all these years has finally broken off and I see I have no more cloudiness in my mind I have no more distortion of thoughts I feel i feel in my body that something's different that's what happened to me i felt that something lifted off of me i got up from my chair and from that day to this day i have not had ocd i have not had the compulsive thoughts i have not had the obsessive thoughts i have not had to battle the thing the world tells you there are things you're gonna have to battle but the bible says in all those things we are more than conquerors because of jesus christ who loved us what's more than a conqueror, a conqueror is the one who goes out to battle. A conqueror is the one who fights and sweats and bleeds for the battle. A conqueror is the soldier that went, left his family to go on a foreign field and do and accomplish a great work for his fa- for his family and for his nation. You know who's more than a conqueror? It's the citizens that stayed back and didn't have, and they won the war by association. We didn't have to sweat blood. We didn't have to take piercings in our hands. We didn't have to take on our back. Jesus was the conqueror. He disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public show of them openly, having triumphed over them at the cross. Jesus is the conqueror. The Bible says John on the island of Patmos beheld him and he said that he fell as one dead. There's another instance of someone seeing Jesus and falling as one dead. Jesus lifts him up by his right hand and says, I am he who was dead, but behold now I live and I hold the keys of death, hell and the grave. Jesus conquered death hell and the grave and we by association because we've been grafted into the vine we have become more than conquerors so that the things that used to dominate our mind our bodies and our spirits now we have power jesus said you have power and authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the mess of the devil the thief comes to steal kill and destroy but jesus said in john sixteen thirty three, i have i have come Be of good cheer. There will be trial and tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have come to do what? To deprive the world and the devil of any ability to hinder you or afflict you from this moment onward. That will be your story from today onward in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let me go through. I want to quickly march through four sources of anxiety. Four sources of anxiety, four reasons why people stay bound, and never seem to break free, no matter how much they pray, no matter how much they, they ask God for relief, number one is ignorance to the word of God, when you are ignorant to the word of God, when you're ignorant of the facts, it will produce unquenchable stress in your life, because you're going to take in the report and the word of everyone else, the Bible says anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. So when you don't have the good word of God in your heart, the anxiety pres- pres- uh, resides and persists and doesn't leave. A good word, it's by encounters with the good word of the gospel that that stress is turned in your heart and gladness of heart begins to, 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 to grow in you. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, let me read this to you, Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4 and verse 17, this I say, Paul, the beloved saying this, this I say, and testifying the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of their ignorance and because of the blindness of their heart, they have alienated themselves from the life of God. In God's life is packaged Peace peace for your mind. That's why the Bible says, In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand is not pressure, is pleasures forevermore. When you are ignorant and you're blind of heart to what God has said about you, you yourself end up being cut off. Not because God has cut you off. You have made a decision because you don't study, you don't read, you don't um, locate. In the scripture, what God has said about you, you have made a decision to cut yourself off from the life of God because of the, uh, the lack of understanding in your heart. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians eleven three, I fear as Satan beguiled Eve by his subtility, even so you too will be deprived or cheated because of the blindness of your hearts. If Satan can successfully, that's why he wants to keep you from a message like this. Because the moment you start to see, that's why I've told, I've told people, when you read the New Testament, I want you to take a highlighter and highlight everywhere that it says, in whom, in Christ, through Christ, by Christ, uh, in Christ, highlight all those statements and then read whatever precedes it or proceeds it and write it down in a list. And start to declare those things over your life. Because if you're not, if you don't have, if you're ignorant to what you are in Christ, your identity of who you are now that you've been connected with Christ, then the devil can come in and whisper anything in your ear and he can lie to you and you'll believe it, you'll buy the lie and the lie will produce the harvest according to its seed. Jesus said the devil is the father of lies. When he speaks, he speaks of his own nature. And when you buy onto that, you invite his attack, you invite his problem, you invite his his frustrations into your life, you invite more assault, and you're vulnerable to it, because you don't have, the Bible says it's not good for a soul to be without knowledge, when you're void of knowledge of God's word, you are an open prey for the enemy to come in and do whatever he wants, my people are destroyed, not because there's a big devil, my people are destroyed, not because there's a, 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 a um. there are special people, no, they're not destroyed, because there are more demons assigned to them than other people, no, they are destroyed, because they have a lack of knowledge, that's why Paul prayed, I I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened so that you can see what is the hope of your calling, the riches of the glory and the inheritance of the saints and the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. So what are we to do? Verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over. So you see, ignorance of heart, blindness of heart, futility of mind. Not taking responsibility to search you out in this book of the law all the things that are written of you. It gives birth to what? Cut off from the life of God? And then here it says, you give yourself over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Laziness, the Bible says, casts one into a deep sleep. And you know that the devil's playground is idle hands. The Bible says that a master gave his servants an order to go and sow good seed. And they went out and sowed good seed. They returned and they went to bed. And at night while men slept, the enemy came and sowed bad seed seed amongst the good seed. And tares begin to grow. When you are asleep spiritually because of a reluctance to study and show yourself a proof, a workman who need not be ashamed... The enemy has now room, a foothold, to come in and sow bad seed amongst the good seed and as such warp the harvest of what you thought you would reap. But I pray in the name of Jesus, just like the Bible says, in the, the season that kings went to war, David stayed at home. David decided to take rest. David decided to say, "It's not, I don't need to read my Bible today. David decided to say, today's not a good day. David decided to put aside his duty as a king to go out to war. And as a result, you know, God has made us kings and priests, but we have duties to go out to do what God requires of us. And when we do what God requires of us, God will fulfill And perform the work of his hand in your life. In the season that kings went to war, David stayed at home. And what happened? That's when he fell to Bathsheba. That's when he killed Uzziah. That's when he fell into the darkest part of his life. I pray in the name of Jesus, every form of spiritual slumber, everything that's caused you to be at rest. The Bible says, woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. Everything that's caused you to be at ease and say, I don't need to read today. And put like a spiritual laziness, a spiritual slumber over your life and that as a result has breeded contempt around you in jesus name you're coming out of that sleep today and fervency of spirit to press into the things of god is taking over your life in jesus name but verse 20 says you have not so learned christ if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in jesus verse 22 pay special attention that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, how? Putting on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. That's not saying that we're going to physically close, that like God has like a, 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 an outlet, or you can go and get premium heaven clothes and you could put on this new cloth. No, it's talking about clothing your mind with what God's word says about you. You put off the old concepts. You know, up until you got saved, you developed a mindset and a lifestyle that was able to somewhat survive to a certain level without God. You tried to gain independence without God. Independence of God. You tried to live and train yourself to be independent of God. That's why the Bible, talks about the carnal flesh the flesh the 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 desires of the carnal mind that when paul's referring to the flesh he's the, he's referring to the wisdom that you developed and the lifestyle you developed and the methods and patterns you developed in your old life you with your bc life That enabled you to live independently of God for a certain moment, for a certain time. That's why in Romans 12 verse 1 and 2, God said, I urge you that you present yourself a living and holy sacrifice while pleasing unto God and that you no longer are conformed to the patterns of this world. You develop patterns in your mind. You develop a series of thoughts. You develop a a, a certain way of thinking, a certain pattern of thought that has produced stress in your mind that doesn't produce the fruit of heart and the harvest of righteousness and what the word of God can do and as such you are to what recognize that old pattern of thought no longer to be conformed to it but instead be renewed how by putting on the mind of Christ and by studying the word so that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God Number one source of anxiety is ignorance. Number two source of anxiety is outright unbelief, doubt, refusal to believe. If you reject Christ, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He stretched out his hand of peace. If you yourself say, I reject Christ because I don't believe in the gospel, I don't believe he rose from the dead, then you're never going to taste and see of the Lord's peace in your life. But then, you know, you're watching right now, most of you are saved. Most of you are, 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 live, are you know, living for God. You don't, it's not just about accepting Christ and the message of the gospel. It's accepting everything else God has said about you. And when you start to reject things because of A, ignorance, or because of two, unbelief. The Bible says Jesus came to his own town and they received him not. And they took offense at him and he said he could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. Unbelief cuts you off from the power of God. It cuts you off from the power supply of God. So that you don't partake of the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. God can say, you know, he has his word here. You can read. You can, you can sit under teaching like this. But if you don't believe, what's belief? It's taking corresponding action and acting. Not as though, acting because acting these things out because they are true. Faith is action. It's taking action on God's word. If you don't do that, you know... It's like for me, when I felt the power of God hit me, I stood up in faith. And I, from that moment onward, I've, I've learned to take every thought that is counter to what God's word says about me captive to the obedience of the word of God. I live in faith now of what God has said about me. If you don't cultivate, if you're not exposed to the word of God continually, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God then you're going to fall prone to unbelief. And remember, Hebrews 3 says, they did not enter into my rest because they did not believe. Number three, source of anxiety, is not focusing on the right things. Hebrews twelve two says, that we have this great cloud of witnesses around us, and that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. So, you cannot be ignorant of the word. You can know what God's word says. Two, you can have faith in God's word. You can believe God's word. But if you choose to still look on the things that stimulate anxiety and trigger panic in you and you're not considering Him and fixing your eyes on Him who is not just the author. So that's where people get it wrong. Jesus isn't just the author of your faith. A lot of people come to a good meeting. They come to a good broadcast like this. God does something something in them where there's faith that is authored, meaning there's faith that uh, uh, begins to grow in their heart. But Jesus is not just the author of your faith. He is the perfecter, meaning he's the sustainer, and he's the one that has the ability by his word to grow and develop that faith. So if you just make him the author of faith, just like Peter, Peter stands up in that boat and says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you. Jesus says, come to me. Peter steps off the boat and he begins to walk towards Christ. And for a little while, he walked on water. But when he saw the wind boisterous, as long as he kept his eyes, his gaze on Jesus, the supernatural law overwhelm natural law, which says if you step out on water, you're to sink. As he kept his eyes on Jesus, he began to walk above the natural laws of nature and he began to walk in the supernatural law of faith, which has the ability to, to, to produce supernatural works. It's not natural to walk on water. And what happened? The moment he took his eyes off Jesus, he lost focus. He didn't. That's why the Bible says you're to set a firm watch over your heart. You are to guard your heart above everything else. The Bible says you are to set your mind on things above. You are to align your mind with things above. You are to keep your eyes on him who is the author and perfecter of your your faith. The Bible says in the Old Testament, Psalms, Lord, give me singleness of mind to fear your name. The the plague people that struggle with anxiety have that they need to be broken free from. And I pray that's what's going to come off you uh, first and foremost, today is the plague of double-mindedness. Well, I know what God has said, but I also have to consider, no. The Bible says, Jacob in blessing Reuben said, Reuben, you are my firstborn. You are the excellence of my, of my strength. You are the excellence of power. Yet because you are unstable in your mind, you will not excel, meaning you're not going to move forward. You, the Bible says in James 1, James 1, let him ask when he asks for wisdom. Ask in faith, nothing doubting. Meaning not looking at what God says that he wants to give you things and then looking to uh, look alternatives or looking to other sources. Doubleness, double-mindedness. For he that is double-minded, the Bible says is like the wave of the sea tossed to and fro. Let not that man expect to receive anything from the Lord. The Bible says that we are not to be split tongued. We say one thing out of one side of our mouth and then another thing out of the other side of our mouth. We are to be single minded. The Bible says in Psalm 119, Lord, turn away my eyes from looking at empty things. So we not only not consider the things of this world or the wisdom of this world or what other people are telling you, we are, or what, you know, if you constantly are exposing yourself to news sites and News articles that are just beating you down and adding on to your anxiety and pressure. And you're thinking that you're some superman that has to take on, that you you, you need to know what's going on. Because you need, you're the savior of all things. And if anybody's going to do anything about it, I need to do something about it. And so when God's not even called you to do specifically something about that one thing you're worrying and stressing your mind out for... You're going to take on unnecessary burdens and pressure on your life that's going to continue to crush Him, crush you. So not only are we not to consider those things, we are to consider Him. When Peter took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. But then Jesus, by his mercy, stretched his hand forth and lifted him up out of the waters. I pray in the name of Jesus. You might have taken your eyes off the prize. You might have been distracted and you've had lack of focus. You've, you've um, misplaced your concentration and you've been sinking. I pray right now that hand of grace that reached down into the waters. You might have been listening to this. Man, I've been double-minded. Oh, will I ever recover what I lost? I tell you today in the name of Jesus, that mercy reaching down into the waters that have been drowning you he's sending from above and he's taking you out of many waters in jesus mighty name you're going back into safety today in jesus name number four number four is demonic torment so number one is source of anxiety is ignorance number two is unbelief number three is not focusing on what god has said number four is demonic so the first three are up to you the first three, you know, the way you live your life is going to determine whether you break free from anxiety or not. It has nothing to do some, some people are attributing things to the devil. you know if if you are constantly reading bad news, heart-wrenching news, constantly watching the Hallmark channel or or the life, what is it the Life channel or whatever, that they have like just terrible movies of terrible things, people not making it father dying or a mother dying leaving three kids and you're just constantly exposed to bad news what's gonna happen is it's gonna it's gonna produce and you're gonna start thinking well what if that's me man i wouldn't want to leave my kids alone now you're taking on baggage that you weren't called to even take on because the the devil through the power of suggestion by putting those movies in your way i mean why are people so gravitated towards like terrible tragedies why don't you why don't you look on good good news good reports the bible is filled with good reports children when you were a child you were wired to look at good reports you were wired to look at stories of victory no child is saying hey dad could you please read me the story about how david messed up and slept with bathsheba and killed her killed her husband on uh, on the front lines? I'd love to read that story again. It just blesses my heart. No! Lord, uh, Dad, can you teach me? Can you study uh, or, or, or or tell me the story again about how David killed Goliath? Can you tell me the story about how the three Hebrew boys defied the orders of the king and were thrown in fire, but they ended up leaving the furnace, not even smelling like smoke? Dad, can you tell me the story about how Jesus told Peter to walk on water? Dad, can you tell me the story about how he opened up deaf ears and... Un- And opened up blind eyes. They're not looking at. Hey dad. Could you tell me the story about how Cain killed Abel? I'd love to hear that again. Somewhere down the line. We we rewire ourselves to to be magnetized towards tragedy. But that's not the way God wired you. And I pray today. God's going to put a grace in you. To be drawn towards victory. To be drawn towards possibility mentality to be drawn towards uh uh, positive things people are drawn towards negativity and then that negativity gets in them and it drowns them in pools and of negativity when god has caused you and called you to swim in the ocean of victory number four so number two is unbelief number three is not focusing on what god has said and then number four is demonic thoughts the devil sows thoughts in an attempt to get you to have wrong mental pictures of your future, and I want to prove to you that the devil can actually sow thoughts into people's minds. First Corinthians, uh, First Chronicles, twenty-one. The Bible says, "Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. Satan stood up against Israel and moved David. David, the man after God's own heart, David." The pure-hearted one. David, the one who killed Goliath and was anointed by God to be the king of Israel. That David, the Bible says, Satan stood up against Israel and moved David. Meaning, how did he move David? He moved David by the power of suggestive thinking, by sowing a thought into his mind. Why was it a wicked thing to census Israel? Why was it a wicked thing in the eyes of God to, to to number the armies of Israel. Because David, remember, David's the one that said, the horse and armies are a vain help in a day of trouble because our deliverance is from the Lord. When David moved to census Israel, he was essentially telling God, I don't trust your hand for deliverance. I need to make sure before I go out to war that I have enough, I have enough troops, I have enough people back in my army. So he took his eyes off God and looked towards man. And Satan was the, the one that sowed the thought in his mind to do that. And remember, remember how it says, Satan stood up against Israel and moved David. Whatever the devil sows into your, your mind is ultimately what's going to dictate your action. It's what, the, the, the direction your thoughts take will determine the direction your life goes in another story john 13 2 the bible says satan entered into judas and uh moved him to betray jesus so the fact that the devil can sow thoughts into people's minds is proven throughout all scripture uh you can read the book of acts chapter 5 ananias and sapphira lie to peter and to the holy spirit and what does peter say why has satan filled your heart Satan filled your heart. How does he fill someone's heart? By putting thoughts, bombarding people's thought life, thereby causing them to do things they wouldn't have normally done. So, demonic torment. How do you know a thought is not from God and a thought is from the devil? Well, number one, it doesn't bring peace. The Bible says God will speak peace to his people and to his inheritance. When the thought does not bring peace, then it's not of God. The Bible says, "Great peace have they that love your law; nothing causes them to stumble." When it doesn't bring peace, it's not if it causes uh, torment, if it causes distress, if it causes disturbance in your spirit, then it's not of God. The Bible says, "He leads you by still waters." If it disrupts your waters, then you can know that's not from that's not from the Holy Ghost. Number 2, God has spoken in His holiness. If it's a thought that devises sin or foolishness, you can know that's not from God. If it's a recurring thought that is um, that causes you to plot evil or, or or devise evil in your heart, the Bible says the, the devising of foolishness is sin. When it divides, it's a constant meditating on evil. That, you can know, is a demonic thought. It's a demonic seed the enemy seeking to sow into your mind to create a pattern of evil in your mind so as to bind you and then number three perfect love casts out all fear if it brings fear fear of sickness fear of poverty fear of death prematurely you can know that's not of god because god's perfect love casteth out all fear fear involves torment he that feareth has not been perfected in love so practically and this, this is where it's really going to get beneficial. This is my practical application to what we have said. How do we cast down thoughts? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Remember, I titled this broadcast, Pulling Down Mental Strongholds, or Breaking Mental Strongholds. What's a stronghold? It's a system that has been set up. That's what it is. You can have good strongholds of the mind, you can set up the stronghold of the word in your mind, and it's a good system that's set up. But far too many Christians have bad mental strongholds that have been set up by things of the past, things they've been exposed to, bad, you know, when someone dies prematurely that was a Christian, and you hear that, you hear that story, and you, you, you start to fear sickness, because, oh man, they were good Christians, they were like, they, they went to church more than I did, if they can get wiped out, man, that, that means nobody's, nobody's free from that, no, everyone's vulnerable to that type of attack and then a mental stronghold starts to develop over your mind where you're f- you're fearful of sickness your fear of dying you have a fear of dying early you have a fear of getting diseased you don't even want to go out anymore everywhere you go man it's like you're almost happy covid happened because you've always thought of wearing a mask and wearing a visor and putting on gloves and wearing some like gown over you like a plaque uh, like a hazmat suit now people don't even look at you funny doing that because everyone's doing it And so you've developed a bad mental stronghold over your life when it has to do with your health. Bible says that we have weapons of warfare so that we don't have to continue in those strongholds, but we can pull them down. Casting down arguments and every high and lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We have heard for far too long that we have to... Take every thought captive. You got to take those thoughts captive. You got to tear down those mental strongholds. You got to do something about those thoughts. Well, how do we do it? What can we do practically? Number one, you need to recognize the source of those, those thoughts. I said it before. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil, when he plants a seed a thought into your mind, it will always, 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 do these three things. It will steal your peace. It will kill your peace, your, your your serenity, it'll kill your joy, and it will destroy your ability to live. It'll keep you captive in a paralyzing state of fear. The thief comes not but to steal, kill, and to destroy. So whenever you have a thought like that, recognize that the source of those thoughts is diabolical, it's wicked. It's divisive. If a thought is is tormenting, read this, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. Listen to this. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sickness and disease amongst the people, and his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them all. Remember, it says here, afflicted with various diseases, but afflicted with tormenting thoughts. Recognize that that's not God putting that thought in your mind. And some of the thoughts, it's not even you. It's demonic, it's diabolical. And so that leads me to number two. When you recognize the source of that thought, reject it forcefully in your own self. I refuse to put up with that thing in my mind. A bird can fly over your head. It doesn't have to nest in your hair. A thought can fly over your mind. You choose whether it stays, whether it pays rent, whether it chooses to move in, or whether you choose to evict that thought from your life. Refuse to identify with that thought. Refuse to nurture that thought by dwelling on that thought. Philippians 4.6, the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. Then it tells you how to not be anxious for nothing. Whatsoever is good, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is of good reputation, whatsoever is excellent, dwell on these things. Meaning, if it doesn't go for the filter of Philippians 4.8, which is what? If it's not good, then it's, it doesn't pass. has no room in my mind. If it's not excellent, it has no room in my mind. If it's not truth, meaning it's not what God has said concerning me, it has no room in my mind. The Greek, when Paul says we are to take every thought captive, it literally means to stand at the door of your mind with a sword drawn and anything that doesn't make the guest list is cut off. Cast down, cast out. The same word that's used to to cast out devils, which means to throw them out to not tolerate, to forcefully eject. The Bible says you are to do the same. Cast down, cast out every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Forcefully reject it. Number three. So how do you do? Number two, how do you forcefully reject it? Jesus painted a perfect picture. He said in uh, Matthew chapter four, when the devil came and tried to sow thoughts into his mind, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread, what did Jesus do? No devil. He rejected it. Then he moved on. For it is written, which leads me to number three. Get the word of God in you that deals with the source of, uh, of anxiety in your heart. If you're scared of premature death, study the word that talks about God's covenant of long life. Psalm 91, with long life, I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation. Devil tries to come and say, you're going to die early of an early death. Because look, your father had this. He didn't make it past 60. Look, your mother carried this. She didn't make it very far in life. What makes you think you're any different? Now you have a weapon from the word. You have the sword of the spirit by which you can cut down those thoughts. By saying, no, with long life, God said, I'll satisfy you. The Bible says... As for you, Abraham, you will go to your fathers at a good old age and depart and be in peace. And God said, I have the blessing of Abraham. The same way God said, Abraham, you're going to die at a good old age. Meaning you're not going to be cut short by a car accident or tragedy. You're going to make it far in life. And remember, at 100 years old, he was like raised, 105 years old, he was raising a five-year-old kid. That's not just, I'll make you to live long. That's, I'll make you to live long and prosper and be strong in the Lord, The rest, as your days are, so shall your strength be. Job 5 says that um, you you shall go to the grave at a good old age as a sheaf of corn in its season. Bible says in Isaiah 65, talking to the redeemed, as the days of a tree are, so shall the days of my righteous ones be. So I have equipped my, my holster with the gun of his word. That tells me what belongs to me in Christ. That every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So when the thought of premature death comes, I now have arsenal stored up in me to take that thought captive and cast it out. And then bring my mind in line with obedience to Christ. Sickness. Exodus fifteen twenty six. If I start to have the thought of sickness, well, it's flu season, right? And then you start to worry and panic if you're going to catch the flu, if you're going to catch COVID. Some people, they've never had panic with regards to sickness. And then this year, because of the media bombarding people, making them feel, even though COVID is like a 99.6% survivability rate. It's like people are, are, are plagued into thinking that if they catch COVID, you might as well have just told them they got stage four terminal cancer and they're gonna die. And they've bought on that. Instead, look to what the word of God says. And you won't, you won't be bound to fear of sickness. I am the Lord who heals you. Exodus 15:26. Exodus 23. If you'll serve me, I'll bless your bread and your water. I'll take sickness. There's some people who are so into like conspiracy, what they're putting into our food. And I, I have no doubt they're putting things in our food and stuff. You know, I have no doubt there's things in our water that, you know, that's not even conspiracy. But there's some people who have bought onto it so much so that they live in fear. They won't even drink water unless it's a specific brand of water. And they'd rather be dehydrated than drink the water available because unless it's a specific brand of water, they're going to fall sick. And so they've bought on to that law. They've sold truth out to buy onto a lie. And as a result, they're panicking all day long. Instead, study what the word of God says concerning you. He will bless your bread and your water and he'll take sickness out of the midst of you. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 7, I read this this morning, blessed me. Let me read it to you. Deuteronomy 7. The Bible says, and the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you've known, but will lay them on all those that hate you. I pray in the name of Jesus, those of you who live in a dreadful torment of sickness, everywhere you go, you have to wash your hands like 18 times. I'm not saying don't be hygienic. Be hygienic. But if you are constantly focused, obsessed with, the, with the, the fear of being sick, of getting cancer, that's no way to live. I break you free from that mental stronghold right now in the name of Jesus. And in its place, I pray these scriptures that I've read will flood your mind and bring you peace of mind from this day onward. Not just a you know, the word of God isn't a, you know, let's look to the positive in life. No, the word of God is the truth for my life. The word of God reigns supreme in my life. I'm not ruled by what rules this world. I'm ruled by the covenant of God. And God's covenant leaves no room for sickness. So it's not just let's think positive, let's not think sickness. That's motivational speaking, that's where it stops. But there's people you can motivational speak all you want and still get sick. You can take care of your body all you want and still get sick. Dr. Oz does it. And they discovered a cyst in his in his intestine not too long, a couple of years back. This is not just positive thinking and positive reinforcement. This is the covenant of God that shows you this is what belongs to you. This is your inheritance and your portion as a born again redeemed believer. That's why the Bible says let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And before you're going to speak it with your mouth you got to start. There's two voices a man has. There's the voice of his mouth and then there's the voice of his heart. You got to start speaking it with the voice of your heart. If you're struggling with thoughts of financial stress Remember God said, "I am the Lord who will take good care of you and I'll bless you. And I'll bless you in your coming in and I'll bless you in your going out." God said, "I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory." The Bible says very clearly, "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not lack." As long as I'm concerned with following God and obeying God, I am living in a realm of no lack. And I have available to me unlimited resources because heavens, the heavens above me have been opened over my life. So stop feasting. Oh, economic analysis are projecting another recession. Doesn't matter what the world's projecting for themselves. I'm a citizen of heaven. I partake of the, be- the benefit and the blessings of the system heaven has in place. Matthew 6, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to put on. Don't worry about your clothing. Stop worrying about if you're going to make ends meet. Stop worrying about if, whether you're going to make your rent this month. Stop worrying about those things. He said, these birds of the air, they don't toil, they don't spin, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. How much more shall he feed you? Look at the lilies of the valley. How they're so clothed in glory. Solomon in all his glory wasn't even arrayed like one of them. And yet, your heavenly Father fed. fed uh, your heavenly Father takes care of them, causes them to be clothed gloriously. Will He not much more clothe you? Will He not much more? He compared that to Solomon. Solomon, who was the richest man in Israel's history. God said, "Consider Solomon. He wasn't even clothed the way I'm going to clothe you." Hallelujah. The Bible says very clearly, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging for bread. The Bible says God will give good things to those who ask. God's not out to pile poverty up on you. The Bible says he brings those out who are in bondage to poverty. He brings them out into prosperity. I tell you in the name of Jesus, whatever thoughts of poverty, whatever thoughts of lack, whatever thoughts of not making it financially, whatever distressing financial uh, burden that you've borne in your mind all these years, in Jesus' name are being expelled. Expelled from your mind in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Financial, I mean, the Bible says very clearly that God is a sun and a shield and no good thing will He withhold from those who who walk uprightly. You're upright because of Christ. And He said, as such, no good thing will I withhold from you. God's not withholding the blessing from you. When you start giving, the. see that's what people do. They stress, they worry, they fret about things that if they, you know, you can, you can worry all you want. Whether you're going to make it financially this month. Ultimately, worrying doesn't tap you into the promises of God and the covenant of, of, of God. The Bible says that if you give, it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, falling over into your lap. If I wasn't a giver, I would not see the harvest we're seeing in this ministry and in my own personal life that I have today. So instead of worrying about whether I'm going to... You can, you can sow seeds today that will guarantee a harvest tomorrow, a harvest financially. So don't worry about your life as to what you will put on. Seek first the kingdom of God in the area of your finances, in soul winning, whatever. And all these things the Gentiles worry after, they'll be delivered unto you. Number four. So number one is recognize the source of the thought as demonic. Number two, refuse uh, to be moved by it and reject that thought forcefully. Number three, get the word of God in you that flies opposite to the thought that has come against you. And then number four is think the opposite thought. Paul said in uh, Acts 26 too, he said, King Agrippa, I think myself happy. Think yourself happy. So you reject the bad thought, you study the word of God, you reject the bad thought of premature death, that you, know, you, you had a, a mental picture of you in a coffin or whatever at a young age. You reject that for your life, then what do you do? You study the word, you find out, That the Bible says the number of your days God will fulfill. You find out that the Bible says as the days of a tree are so shall the days of my righteous ones be. You find out that the Bible says that with long life he'll satisfy you. Then what do you do? You start to think the opposite. Picture yourself as an old man or an old woman. Picture yourself. As as someone growing old and seeing your grandchildren and your great grandchildren and your great great grandchildren, if you want, to, as your faith is, so be it unto you. You can go as far as you want. Picture yourself not growing weaker as you grow older. See, that's what the world tries to do. That's what the devil does by sending you that RRSP, uh, that um, that that ma- not RRSP, that, uh, that magazine that talks about you know as you grow older. Certain things are going to just, you know, they're going to break out of their original function and you're going to need help. You know, woman, as you grow older, you're going to have osteoporosis and you're going to need these supplements and these pills because your bones are going to be more frail and fragile and whatnot. And, you know, once you hit 60 or 70, your ears aren't working quite as like they used to work. And so expect they're trying. The devil's trying to paint a picture of your future that isn't in line with the word of God. That's what anxiety is ultimately. Anxiety is built on unscriptural scenarios. Anxiety is built and it develops in people's hearts through their exposure and their expectation of unscriptural scenarios. Things that God has not said about you. That's what builds anxiety. So you start to think the opposite. When I'm older, I won't need glasses. When I'm older, man, I've said it so that I'm not going to lose hair. I'm not losing hair. I ain't going bald. I, 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 I'm not, you know, I'm, this is like small things. I, I'm, I'm growing stronger as, my day, as I get older. Like at Caleb, 85 years old, give me now this mountain. I'm as strong today as I was when I was 40. So if you fall victim to those anti-Scriptural seeds that are sown into your mind, that mental picture that you develop is going to pave the way to that undignified and uh, undesirable future. But on the flip side, if you start to let the scripture stretch out your imagination as to what God will do for you, as to The future God has lined up for you. I know the thoughts I have for you. There are plans for a future and for a hope. Plans for prosperity and not for destruction or for harm. Then you can have the mental images that you carry about yourself and your future shaped and formed uh, in your mind. Imagination is a very powerful thing. And ultimately, the devil tries to sow seeds of suggestive thoughts in your mind to develop mental strongholds that ultimately will give way to your imagination. And your imagination is a very powerful tool that will either destroy the days ahead of you or, or set things up nicely for you. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 37, mark out the future of the upright man. God's trying to paint a picture for you. If you're upright, mark out the future of the upright man. The future of that man shall be shalom. The Hebrew word for blessed, whole, healthy, strong, and vital. Prospering in every area. Mark out the future. Stop having negative expectations built on anti-scriptural seeds in your mind. That's caused you to live in dread of the future. Instead, get this word, this book of the law. Let it never depart from your mouth. Keep it always on your heart. Let it be fixed upon your lips. For it is life to those that find him, and health to all their flesh. For then you will be prosperous in everything you do. Then you will have good success. I pray in the name of Jesus. That as I spoke today, every stronghold, every negative expectation. Maybe you grew up in a family and your parents told you you're never going to do anything right. Maybe you didn't have good parents. Maybe they had pessimistic mindsets and that mindset got drilled into you. And you don't even know how to think positively. You are a pessimist by nature. The Bible says we are to be renewed. We are to cast down. Just because that's what your story was all these years, it doesn't mean you have to finish off your days on earth. Bound by those mental strongholds. Today marks a new beginning beginning for your thought life. To, as he keep their eyes fixed on him, Isaiah 26.3, I will keep them in perfect peace. I want to read something and then we're going to pray. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So I finish this off by point four that says, think the opposite thought. So what are thoughts you should think about yourself? Psalm 91 is perfect. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High, that shows you, if you're going to have what Psalm 91 promises you, that you'll have, you have to follow verse one. Dwells, not visits. Don't be a casual visitor of church. Don't be a casual guest Once every six weeks, like the statistics show in America, is an average Christian attends church once every six weeks. It's nuts. You'll never have Psalm ninety one become a reality in your life. Living like that, he that dwells not visits, not passes through, not comes when when things get messy. No, he that dwells in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What's a shadow? I was thinking of this before. What does a shadow? Well, how does a shadow come? A shadow comes because there's an object between you and that and the sun or the light that casts a shadow over you. Well, what's the shadow that's, that's cast over us? The shadow of what? Under the shadow of the Almighty. You know what that shows you? When you begin to dwell in the secret place of the Most High, God begins to accompany you everywhere you go and as such, His shadow is cast over you. So, there's a story. A couple of years back in Guatemala, there was a story of... Um, these locals that were running away from a little tiny bear, like a, a cub, a cub bear that was running after these Guatemalans and um, the, the cub bear like started to think of itself like it was some mighty grizzly, like it was like some 12 foot tall bear and that's why these 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 people were running away from him and it got really like a, a self-confidence and his self, self-esteem was built up and by the end, of its chase, when the you know those 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 people had ran and fled away, the bear stopped, and he looked behind, and over it was a shadow cast. It was actually the mother bear that was running with the cub bear, and that's what you know. That cub bear wasn't big enough to chase off those people. It's when those people saw the mother bear walk uh, running alongside that it struck fear in their advers in 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 the opposition, and it ended up f- causing them to flee. Well. That paints a picture of God casting his shadow on us. That when the enemy comes rushing in like a flood, God's presence by us is the standard that causes him to flee. That's why the Bible says that um, if you resist the devil, he will flee. Because when you resist the devil, by dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, though the enemy comes in one way, he'll, God said, I will rise up against him and cause him to, be, to flee seven ways. When God's presence comes alongside you, it's the shadow of the Almighty that comes alongside you. That causes, When the enemy sees just the shadow of God, the Bible says he is like a dreaded champion that stands by us. Therefore, our persecutors shall see him and shall flee. When you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, you abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. So number one, you got to dwell. Then number two, you gotta start saying of the Lord, He is my refuge, He's my fortress, He's my God in whom I trust. Stop looking to alternative sources, stop looking to, to outside help. God is all I need. God is more than enough to overthrow what I'm seeing ahead of me. God is more than enough to defeat the problems and and and, and Circumstances ahead of me. The help of, you have to get this in your spirit. The help of man is useless. If I'm gonna come free from this, if I'm gonna move on from this, if I'm gonna come through this, if I'm gonna break free from this, the help of man is useless. God is all, some trust in chariots, some in horses. I am trusting in the Lord who fights my battles. And as such, I will say, He is my trust, He is my refuge. Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Surely He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You will not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day. So that shows you when you start to follow that prescription, that Psalm 91 prescription to dwell and to start saying, to start speaking, to start changing the way you talk, what it'll do is you will not be afraid of the terror by night. You will not be afraid of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand can fall to your side, but it won't strike fear in you. That's what Psalm 112 essentially is saying. How blessed is the man who greatly delights in God's word. He will not fear evil tidings. He will not be anxious in a year of drought. He will not be prone to anxious thoughts or feelings. Why? Because his heart is steadfast trusting in the Lord. I pray today in the name of Jesus as God becomes your shepherd, as you dedicate yourself to his leading you will not have any lack of peace in your life you won't have any lack of mental serenity you will not lack any confidence in god's ability to pull through for you you will not have any lack of joy in the name of jesus i see the oil of joy being poured out over your life and every distressing thought that the enemy's sown in your life gets broken, broken off your life from this day onward you remember the bible says in isaiah isaiah 50 55 let the unrighteous man forsake his thought and the wicked man his ways let the unrighteous man forsake his thought i pray today by the grace of god many you many of you are going to forsake the thoughts of your past that have held you bound the ways of the past, the ways of, of, of what you've seen others go through. And that's such, you say, well, I guess I have to go through. This. No, God is setting you free from the patterns of this world. And from today, grace is coming on you to conform yourself and your mind and your mental pictures and imaginations to the word of God that will launch you into an enviable future. Whether the devil likes it or not, in Jesus' name. If you're watching me right now, the first thing you got to do is get saved. You'll never break free from panic attacks and anxiety if you don't join hands with the Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding is available to all. But you have to receive it. How do you receive it? You have to admit you're a sinner. You need to believe that Jesus... Christ rose from the dead and you need to confess and con- conse- confess Christ and consecrate yourself to him. Give yourself to the Lord today. Jesus said, come to me, all that are weary laden and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You don't have to continue growing weary. You don't have to continue to empty out today of its strength because you're focusing on tomorrow of its sorrows and the sorrows of tomorrow come to me, Jesus said, his arms are wide open, you don't have to continue down this path of destruction, the Bible says that in the path of the wicked is thorns and thistles, problems and struggle and tribulation and trouble, but the Bible says in the path of the upright is righteousness, peace and joy Goodness and mercy, David said, will follow you all the days of your life. So you need to come to me, Jesus said. Come to me. Take my yoke on you. Take my burden. It's easy and it's light and you will find rest for your souls. If you're watching right now and you'd like to give your life to Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Do not wait for a more opportune time. There is not a more opportune time than right here and right now. Pray this with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I confess that I'm a sinner. And I need your help. I believe in my heart. Jesus rose from the dead. I confess Christ as Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Where I was weak, make me strong. Fill me with your spirit. Break me free from mental strongholds. Let the chains of mental stress break off my life once and for all. the name of Jesus, I'm a child of God. God is my father. Heaven is my home. And I'm never turning back. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love for you to get in contact with me. SalvationOut.ca. The first link that pops up is I just got saved. Fill it out, uh, that form. I want to get something to you free of charge. as a way of saying thank you. Uh, Not a way of saying thank you. It's a way of saying welcome to uh, the kingdom of God. I want to welcome you to the kingdom of God. I want to get a Bible into your hands. I want to get some CDs, uh, not CDs, it's USB with some messages on it that are going to greatly help you that you can play in your, in your car. And um, so do that. I just got saved. Salvationnow.ca. I just got saved. Fill it out. For everyone else watching online and you're already saved, I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus, that the knee of anxiety will bow out of your life today. I pray that God will shift your attention to those things which are pure, excellent, true, noble, praiseworthy, and the peace of God will begin to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. All weariness of spirit, every thought of quitting, giving up, every... every heavy, heaviness, I know how anxiety can, can actually have a physiological effect where literally you feel weight on your shoulders, I pray, what no mis- misuse can do for you, what no session in a massage, uh, no massage session can do for you, I pray that this word today as it got into you, will produce the re- all around rest for you, in Jesus name. Your sighing and your sorrow break off for you. Just like when the fire of God came on Samson, they had put new ropes on him. When the fire fell, the ropes burnt and dissolved as by fire. I see every rope of anxiety, every rope of panic, every rope of depression being burnt off by fire now in Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus Christ. As a little bonus, every stronghold of fear, no matter what it is, whether it be premature death, whether it be getting behind the wheel of a car, whatever it is, some people have these irrational fears of things. You can trace it back to an incident that happened to you that had you taken captive that very thought, you wouldn't be where you are today. Locate. What's the reason you're dreadfully tormented to drive what is the reason you 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 don't even want to leave your house today what's the reason that when you come back in from being in a marketplace or a costco or whatever you you feel like you have to take a bath to wash off the sickness whatever it is locate was it a relative that died when you were young and you attended the funeral and saw the body and were like man and it struck fear, and you never took, thought of, took captive of that thought, and so it's given birth to a stronghold, whatever it is, go back. Take that thought captive, destroy it by the word of God. Like Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. For that thing is not mindful of the things of God. It's only mindful of the things of men. But I'm redeemed by his blood, and I'm mindful of the things of God. And God's word says, X, Y, and Z. And you'll see, strongholds are held up by pillars. That incident that happened that caused that irrational fear to take hold on you, is that main pillar is set up. Once you kick that main pillar out, the whole building will crush down. That will be your story in the name of Jesus Christ. Every wild imagination of your heart is being brought into obedience to the word of God in your life. And I see you. I see you as you've received freely you have received i see you turning into an agent of change wherever you go to freely as you've received you'll give that same peace to others by this same gospel that has set you free for everyone that's watching continuing to watch god bless you i love you all angela maria valerie marlene bunny on youtube esther robin cole boreen sadie tosh if, you all, if, if you'd all, if you like to give today, I'd like to give you the opportunity to do so by going to our website, salvationow.ca slash give. I'll put up the link right here. salvationow.ca slash give. Thank you for sticking on with me for like an hour and a half today. If you haven't shared the broadcast, please share it uh, to get it out as many people as possible. If you want to share this directly by direct messaging someone who you know is struggling today, do it. Do it. I've seen many people get... Set free from OCD, from panic attacks, from terror, from night terrors, from nightmare, whatever. I've seen people delivered from depression, suicide, everything the devil has in his tool belt through encounters with what I've taught in this broadcast. People seem to think, and yes, you know, we do pray. You know, I love, I want, I can't wait to start traveling again. And laying hands on people again, because people are a lot of people that are messed up and they need they need deliverance. I believe in that. Jesus said, You will lay hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. But that's just one of the methods that God uses to deliver people. So shall my word be, which proceeds out of my mouth. It shall never return void. Just one encounter with this book has the power to, to set men free. Jesus taught in their synagogues, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them, not just of physical problems, of mental problems, mending hearts, whatever it is. So I would encourage you to uh, send this to people, you know, in faith, and tell them, listen closely, don't be distracted, don't watch this while you're, you know, making supper one night, don't watch this while you're, you know you're 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 getting the kids ready for school take time to study this thing what I've what I've spoken on today take notes meditate on it and uh and see how the same Jesus that healed that Gadarene demoniac that was bound by over 2000 demons when he came in contact with, with the Christ which the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was made flesh among us Jesus is the word made flesh so when that demoniac came in contact with the word made flesh. What happened? The chains were broken off and then he was sitting, he was clothed and in his right mind. Someone who could not be tamed by shackles or chains. Someone who couldn't be medicated. Somebody who couldn't be uh, tamed by a straightjacket and lock him up in an, in-, in an institute. All of a sudden, by an encounter with this book, he was sitting, clothed and in his right mind. And they marveled. And then what did Jesus say? go into the city called Decapolis and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had compassion on you that same compassion still flowing through this book called the Bible and by faith we pull off the promises of scripture off the pages of the Bible and we bring them down into our reality faith pulls the promises of scriptures off the pages of the Bible and brings them into our reality connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Maokanji or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you. And until next time.